Welcome to the Mach 1 Market Moment Podcast with the team at Mach 1 Financial Group. The Mach 1 Market Moment Podcast starts now. Well, hello and welcome to another edition of the Mach 1 Market Moment. I'm Mark Haywood alongside Kyle Alexander and the team from Mach 1 Financial Group. They are retirement income planning specialists serving you in Northwest Arkansas. You can find them online at mock-1financial.com. That's mock-1financial.com. Or you can reach out and call the office, 479-876-2100. With that, Kyle, welcome into the show. And I think it is time to celebrate. Because if you listen to the past show, you were listening to show number 100, which means we have now recorded more than 100 episodes of the Mach 1 Market Moment. That is wow, something to celebrate. man. I did not know that. That is pretty cool. An anniversary yeah. of sorts. Yeah, it is. That's awesome. Hey, man, maybe I'll bake us a cake or something. I was about you to don't say. eat it, but I'll bake it. <laughs> Do we get any cake or any food out of this? I don't know how you celebrate the uh, episode know, of the show, but... Probably be a whole lot easier just to go buy a bunch of cookies or donuts, <laughs> but, you know, hey, whatever you want, man, just for you. I was about to say, either way, bring them over. I'll eat them, man. We'll celebrate. <laughs> <laughs> Carb loading time. Let's do it. <laughs> but it is cool. It's cool to know that... Yeah. We've built up some longevity here, and hopefully in this amount of time, we've been able to reach folks. I mean, this just shows that people have questions about retirement, and that's yeah. what we're here to do to answer them, you know? Yeah, and you know, I wonder if we really look back in history. We've been doing radio together now for, what, five years? Something like that, for several It'd years It'd be interesting now. to know how many actual radio shows we've done, and I don't even know. I don't have a clue, so... That'd be interesting. So maybe you can dig up that trivia for next time, right? Yeah, for the next one. It would be interesting to know just how many people we've served through this. I guess it's kind of impossible to calculate, but it's cool to know that we're able to get on here each and every week and talk about retirement, talk about finances, talk about life, hopefully a little bit. So always a pleasure to be with you. And for our 101st episode. We're excited to kick it off with another mailbag question. We love hearing from the listeners out there. After all, as I said, that's a lot of what this show is about is helping you. So let's kick it off with a question from Helene in Bentonville. Helene says, is it okay to have several different IRAs or should I consolidate? I have seven accounts. Wow. Helene, first of all, I'm going to say congratulations. You must have had quite a few different strategic directions on your investments and then preparing for retirement. It sounds like you've taken quite a diligent approach to the diversification, perhaps. I don't know. But, you know, this is good. I mean, at least you have made the attempt to get ready for retirement in your own ways, in your own direction. So many people don't even make the attempt. So congratulations to you. I would just say that to answer your question, my first initial response would be, yeah, absolutely. You need to consolidate those seven accounts into one traditional IRA. And of course, you know, with that comes, you know, a larger base or aggregate IRA amount, which would impact compounding significantly over time. Because if you have a higher base that you're starting from, the compounding effect ratchets up that much more quickly, right? So Einstein's eighth wonder of the world, so to speak, is, you know, compounding interest. And I think that that's a wonderful thing. Now, let's take the math off the table and let's talk about something different but relevant, okay? And that is, I always try to start these questions with the answer, it depends. And unfortunately, I'm going to have to retract what I said about absolutely and say that, You know, just using the math, it makes sense for you to consolidate and build a larger base and get that compounding effect. But I don't really know why you have seven different IRAs. Some of them may be in unique 
strategies or perhaps you have an IRA that you've invested in that is in rental property, something like an alternative IRA with alternative assets in it. Perhaps you have, I don't know, a stock program through your company that you rolled over into a traditional IRA. So all these things could factor into whether or not that makes sense for you. So in short, I think I would like to sit down with you and look through the specific accounts to see what the investments are in. And there might be some reasons why you want to keep those separate. There may be some that you can consolidate and should consolidate for the previous reason I gave for compounding and some that you want to keep separate. And depending on your age, some of these moves to move out of, let's say, a stock strategy where you have a really low cost basis to do that at age 70 or 70 and a half, if that's your age, I don't know how old you are, could yield you an enormous taxable event. So there are lots of consequences here that we want to look at. So the short answer is, again, it depends. But we're going to be happy to visit with you and at no charge help you think through the best set of options given the seven different accounts that you're in, their tax ramifications, the reasons why you might want to keep them separate versus aggregating them into one for additional compounding, which is the mathematical answer. So if you don't talk to us, please do contact a reputable advisor to get some guidance because there may be more to this story than I understand straight off the bat. And obviously we want to help you. So do call. And if you don't call us, call a reputable advisor who can give you some guidance. And again, we certainly wish you the best of luck with that. Thanks for writing in, Helene. If you'd like to reach out to the team at Mach 1 Financial Group, you can do so. Just call that number we mentioned earlier in the show. It's 479-876-2100. That's 479-876-2100. Now, Kyle, when we're talking finances, we talk so often about factoring out your emotions, right? It needs to be based on math and logic and that's important right of course but sometimes you need to factor in your feelings or at least how you are going to feel about certain things whether you try to or not it's a little (laughs) feelings are you know kind of subjective you know and you're talking to a geek here man i don't know you think i'm gonna be able to handle this (laughs) we'll find out feelings and emotions (laughs) we'll find out but sometimes whether you try to leave your emotions aside or not they're gonna fight their way in. it's like that song the uh I can't stop this feeling deep oh, inside dude. of me. You want me to do the Uga Chaka part? That ain't happening, man. Uh, uh, Uga Chaka, Uga Chaka. <laughs> or you could just say, uh, you know, let's stop that love and peace. Yes. Is that a financial feeling? Yes. I think that's a whole Top Gun deal, right? I, mean, <laughs> yeah, I, think, I think Top Gun 2 is even coming out. That oh, just tells me I've lived far too long. But anyway. There's a reason we do talk broadcasting right there's a reason we're not on for lord have mercy yeah don't 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 get me singing (laughs) but let's cover some of those times where it's okay to let your emotions and feelings enter into that financial equation on some level like you said they're subjective so we're going to keep that in check but let's talk about some of those equations so how much do you care about where do you live would you be happier staying in your home perhaps you've raised a family those are questions you're going to be asking yourself as you prepare to retirement Maybe you'd be just as happy in a different home and possibly a different community. A lot of folks want to downsize. But that's an example of a time where as you're facing those questions, your feelings are going to factor into that equation. 
Yeah, you know, Mark, that's an excellent point. And, you know, let me give you a story. My parents just went through this about three years ago. And this is the easiest way for me to describe it. And I don't think my parents would mind sharing this. Yeah, I had a nice lake home, you know, down south. And they lived there for probably 30 years. And, you know, the grandkids weren't coming around as often because they're getting older. They didn't have a need to put all of us up on the holidays all the time at the same time. So all of these things started factoring into their decision, you know, should they downsize, you know, can they take care of that huge property, you know, with the pier and the boat and all this mess. And so they came down to a different decision, which was both emotional as well as objective with a little bit of subjectivity to it, if you ask my dad. But nevertheless, he didn't want to do it. He didn't want to downsize. He didn't want to leave the lake. My mom did. But the reasons my mom wanted to do that were really because she loved my dad and she just couldn't stand to see him work himself to death in the yard and taking care of all of these things on the lake. And he was getting, you know, 80-ish, and it was getting harder and harder for him to do those things. He had also had a major heart condition, and so uh, physically he wasn't as able to do it. So I guess from an emotional and subjective standpoint, they had some pretty tough decisions to grapple with. So the first one is, did they want to leave? Well, yes and no. Was it practical for them to continue to stay there? The answer was actually no. It wasn't practical. And the third thing is, was it economical for them to stay there? I mean, they're spending a lot of money on heating and air and insurance and, you know, all of the things that go into taking care of a larger home. And that was money they didn't really need to spend anymore. It just wasn't practical from a mathematical standpoint either. So when all three of those things fall into a bucket and you can get an answer both in a subjective as well as objective manner, man, I'm telling you, listen to your gut in those situations. They are far happier now that they've moved to a garden home in town. They enjoy their neighborhood. They enjoy their neighbors. They like not having all that work to do all the time. So they can do things that they enjoy doing since they're really not trying to entertain a bunch of people anymore. And so all in all, it's worked out pretty well for them. And I would suggest that given your individual situation, everyone knows, you know, kind of the ins and outs of the emotions about a given fact of your life or future life. So do weigh those into the objective as well as mathematical components of that decision and come up with something that works for you and your family. Ultimately, you know, no one can make that decision for you, but you can get good advisors to help you think through some of these challenges as well as the expenses and the practical side of things. So, you know, I think those are excellent things to take away from this conversation. And that's a really good example, Mark. Thanks for sharing it with me. Yeah, Kyle, we really want to emphasize that some of these questions don't have necessarily a right or a wrong answer. It depends on your situation, and it depends on what you want to prioritize. But there's definitely this balance of math and numbers and emotions, as we said, well, as we sung earlier, you can't always fight back some of those emotions. <laughs> right. We're not going to do it again. <laughs> no, that loving feeling ain't coming out of my mouth. Again, right? so, no. But I think that is an example of a conversation where emotions are going to play into it, where you want to live. Another one, Kyle, that you have to think about the emotions is as you're considering whether you want to be completely debt-free or if you're comfortable with the idea of always carrying a little bit of debt? Yeah, that's a good question, Mark. So a lot of people do have a lot of emotion around debt, and it really is something that's unique to the individual. Obviously, there are a lot of people in this country that have no problem with debt, and they've amassed quite a lot of it. And we saw 
the ramifications of that with a housing bubble in 2008, 2009. And so We've lived through these things and human behavior is such that we're always doomed to repeat similar things that others have done in the past. We aren't very good vicarious learners by just strict human nature. So let me just put it this way. Personally, I like to be debt free. It takes a lot for me to take on debt. It makes me kind of ill, to be honest, because all I can picture is somebody else kind of scraping off of a large chunk of interest and putting it in their pocket or sharing it in the pocket of a bunch of shareholders. While I like to invest money and while I like to work with companies that have a great balance sheet and a positive return on investment, I have to say companies that take advantage of people who don't really understand debt is bothersome to me. And so there's a lot of different angles that I like to look at debt, but that one is both a personal one as well as a business perspective of taking advantage of people just because they don't necessarily have as much money to execute a down payment and avoid large levels of interest with their debt. You know, we can call that credit card debt or whatever you want to call it, but that revolving debt can be a killer. And of course, we're big fans of Dave Ramsey around here. And of course, his logic is to avoid as much debt as possible and so forth. I would say the only time that somebody really should take on debt other than just their level of comfort with it or whatever psychological thing they've got going on is if you're trying to grow a business and that business is doing really well and it's very successful, taking on a little debt to continue to grow that business is sometimes a great investment, right? You're borrowing money to invest in yourself. Those are situations that are unique, right? Another reason you might want to take on debt is to better yourself, like a college education, to improve your overall skill set so you can get a better job. Again, making an investment in yourself, that's worthy of some debt, perhaps. Or maybe to purchase a home, you know, to build a family. Taking on some debt to do that makes a lot of sense. You know, maybe you need a larger car to put the twin car seats, and I know, uh, Mark, you just got married, so someday you may have a set of twins or triplets in your future, and you might need to buy a larger car, right? And so a little debt in that environment won't hurt you either. But when you amass too much of it is when you get into trouble. So you have to be very metered and understand the debt and the reasons why you're taking that debt on, the interest rates that you're going to be you know, forced to live up to during the term of that debt, and understand exactly how that's going to impact your budget. So again, that part's a math problem. The emotional side is how comfortable are you in taking on that debt and what's your tolerance for it? And if you have a pretty good answer for those things, then taking on debt is not necessarily a bad thing. However, if you get yourself into a bind, we're going to remind you of all of the tenants that Dave Ramsey puts out there about debt. And if you're one of our clients, we're going to help you try to find your way out of that. So that's the short answer. I think that's a pretty sufficient answer there. And by the way, thank you for that suggestion of triplets there. That's jumping the gun a little bit there, Kyle. 
I just want to put a little element of panic in your life today, man, because you're so calm, cool, and collected all the time. So <laughs> I figured I could hit you with that when the twins are triplets. You know, I had twins, so well, you've you know, I get it. You've certainly got me thinking about debt and money when you say that. <laughs> so, oh, but it's true. I mean, these are all scenarios where you need to think about that balance of numbers and emotions. Even having a kid, as you said, I mean, that's a very emotional thing. But you need to be anchored and rooted in your financial plan. And so, right. as you're listening to this, if you need help finding that balance between numbers and emotions and just life circumstances, we'd encourage you to reach out to the team at Mach One Financial Group. Give them a call at four seven nine. 876-2100. Kyle Alexander here on the show, or Matt Walters, David Lee, all would be glad to sit down with you and have a complimentary review of your situation. Again, just call 479-876-2100. That's 479-876-2100. Kyle, as always, thanks for joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure, Mark. Thanks for having us on the show. Look forward to the next time. That's right. We've enjoyed this centennial episode with you, and we'll do it all again next time on another edition of the Mach 1 Market Moment. Advisory services through Capel Advisory Solutions, LLC, DBA Fusion Capital Management. Investments and or investment strategies involve risk, including the potential loss of principal. Please see full disclosures at www.mock-1financial.com.